the last word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. Now we're delighted to be joined for the Culture Club today uh, by one of the great record label owners and managers and indeed musician himself, a man responsible for the careers of the likes of the Jesus and Mary Chain, My Bloody Valentine, Primal Scream, The Libertines and Oasis. And he's also features in a new movie that may out this year that was made about his career based on his terrific autobiography, uh, Creation Stories. Alan McGee, thank you very much for joining us here on The Last Word of Today FM. Hey, mate. How are you? The, the man, of course, who did the screenplay, Irving Walsh, has been a guest here in studio on a number of occasions when he lived in Dublin. The version of your life that he told in the movie Creation Stories, how real or how different is it to what you really lived? I, I, it's, it, it's about 50% true. I, and the other 50% is artistic licence. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, it's just Irvin, you know. I mean, I've known, I knew Irvin in 1990 before he was famous. Uh, I've been friends with him ever since. Um, I used to go to Acid House Club to him in Glasgow. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he, I love I love Irvin. I actually like the film a lot. It's good. But um, but there's a lot of, the, the, you know, the, the main parts, um, like I did find Oasis, I did go to Chequers, you know, blah, blah. I did come out of a mad home with my father and everything but a lot of it is Irvin just riffing you know and uh, you know I suppose that's just what it is I realised that bit you know but the bit of the end that was always the second point for me in the script so that I'd gone to the sunset with my dad and you know I haven't spoke to my dad in years you know what I mean so it's a bit like you know my dad's a, an alcoholic so it's like you know we don't really get on you're very different people and uh you know, I, so there's a lot of stuff like that, and I could go right through it if you really want me to. You know, no, I mean? but it's interesting. I mean, did it make your life seem better than it had been, or did you feel in any I th- way? I think I'm, I think I'm probably cooler than Irvin's, <laughs> Irvin's script. I'm not that cool. I'm just a manager of a, a rock, but well, rock bands, you know, and put people's records out. It's like I'm not a particularly romantic character at all, you know. But it's interesting that you have such a pragmatic uh, uh, attitude towards it because you know the way that lots of people give out about things that are based on reality saying, oh, it didn't happen like that at all and they want it to be portrayed almost like it was a documentary whereas a movie like this is drama, it's entertainment. Yeah. So your life has turned into entertainment to an extent. Yeah, well, I knew what I was signing up for because I'm a big fan of Irvin. And uh, I, I mean, this is as real life as the acid house or train spot if you take my take my point really to be honest uh, it's like I'm I'm a character and this is pretty postmodern what I'm about to say I suppose but I'm a character in an Irvin Welsh movie that's really what this is you know well, I'm not going to start with music, so because you have nominated him as your favourite author, and we do have a clip that we're going to play, and I don't know what's going to be in this, given that I remember enjoying the book so much when it came out. This is Filth. The trouble with people like him is that they think they can brush off people like me, like I was nothing. They don't understand the type of world we're living in now, all those menaced souls clamouring for attention and recognition. He was a very arrogant young man, so full of himself. No longer. Now he's groaning, blood spilling thickly from the wounds in his head and his yellow, unfocused eyes are gandering around, desperately trying to find clarity, some meaning in the bleakness. He's trying to speak now, 
What is it that he's trying to say to me? Help, police, hospital. Or was it help, please, hospital? It doesn't really matter, because his life is ebbing away, human existence distilled to begging for the emergency services. You pushed me away, mister. You rejected me. You tricked me and spoiled things between me and my true love. I've seen you before. Long ago, just lying there as you are now. Black, broken, dying. I was glad then and I'm glad now. That was read by Tam Dean Byrne. That's from Filth by Irving Walsh. One of his other great books, Trainspotting the Thing, that he's always remembered most for, I suppose. What do you like most about his books, his writing, Alan? I think, I mean, we're very similar backgrounds. I'm I'm Glasgow. He's Edinburgh. I don't know. I think it just just reminded me of what I came out of, to be honest. You know what I mean? And the stories? How real are they? Are they sort of a hyper-imagined version of your background and growing up? Well, he told me, and there's a great way that he 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 finds his characters on Twitter. When people troll him, and you know, especially Scottish people troll him, he looks at their Twitter account and he nicks a lot of their lines, and then spins the characters into future books. Okay, that's books but I suppose it's music that we know you for and all of those bands that I said initially uh, that you've been involved in managing so let's just hear a little bit of one of those bands let's hear a little bit of Primal Scream and Loaded Just what is it that you want to do? We want to be free we want to be free to, to do what we want to do and we want to get loaded and we want to have a good time and that's what we're going to do well, wait, baby, let's go. we're going to have a good time we're going to have a party brilliant music about 30 years on of course if Irving Welch comes from a similar background to Bobby Gillespie on Primal Scream was a very old friend of yours wasn't he? Well it's a school band and a school record label really we all went to school with each other the way that you know, since we talked to Irish Radio the way that you two sort of came out of, I think I'm, I'm correct saying they came out of the same school or the same yes. the, 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 the same area but I think it was the same school we all most of us went to a school called King's Park Secondary. Uh, that was me, Bobby, 
Throb, uh, and and the guy it was initially one of the big things in the band, a guy called Jim Beatty. Andrew Innes lived very locally, like a couple of miles away, and that's how that's and and I was the manager. I ran the record label. We all came out of that whole thing, you know, and and like we all grew up with each other. We knew each other before Andy really had uh, got. And I, before I'd went to a concert, I was playing football with Bobby Gillespie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, way back in the day, uh, and Jim Beatty. I get into music. I took Gillespie to his first concert. You know, when I was like fourteen, he was thirteen, but we we were playing football with each other when we were like ten and eleven. Do you know what I mean? And that was years that went on before anybody said they liked music. Do you know what I mean? I didn't even know he liked music till he asked me to come and see Thin Lizzy. Do you know what I mean? You know? Did you enjoy that? Thin Lizzy? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, Thin Lizzy, come on. I mean, we had I, Scott you know, Gorham doing this only a few yeah. weeks ago, and he was terrific yeah. company doing the yeah. thing, and he had some great, great choices. Yeah. But how could you not? How could you not like Thin Lizzy? Oh, to, love to be Thin honest, do you know what I mean? Love yeah, you know what I mean? But then let's talk a little bit about your early musical influences because you told us that the first single that you remember getting is this one from T-Rex, Get It On. Oh, T-Rex, does it still do it for you, Alan McGee? Yeah, I mean, it's Mark Boland. I mean, absolute genius, do you know what I mean? Um, how could you not be into Mark? Um, he was incredible. I mean, I listened to, I think, what was it, Electric Warrior, maybe six months ago or three or four months ago. It's an incredible record still, you know? And I think that was 1971, you know? So I bought Get It On, 71, I was 10. I mean, it sounds an incredibly cool record to buy. So I'll just counter it with, I bought it because it was number one. I was <laughs> When I was 10, I was buying number ones. And the next number one that came along was it was Chirpy Chirpy Cheap Cheap by Middle <laughs> of the Road. And I bought that as my second ever record. So I wasn't cool. I was just buying number one records, you know. You got some good ones in there. Now, you've given us, we asked favourite album and favourite artist, and it's the same person for both. Uh, your favourite artist is uh, David Bowie. So why? Why have you picked him? Uh, it sounds it sounds trendy in these you know post 
post his death times, do you know what I mean? You know, but if you have a look at my book, I was saying that before he died, do you know what I mean? A couple of years before, and saying he blew my mind, and uh, he did. I mean, he still blows my mind. It was like last year during lockdown, the BBC over here put on David Bowie um, at Glastonbury in 2000, which I never bothered going to see it, and I feel ashamed I didn't. And it was incredible. And I spent last summer going through all these 90s David Bowie albums because there was one and sometimes two classic Bowie songs on these records. And I just went through, I found all the different Bowie, you know, on the, on the records that people and people had lost interest in the 90s, hadn't they, to be honest? And, uh, you know, uh, and but there was still, there was still one or two tracks per album that were just, Vintage David Bowie, well, not vintage, but incredible, great songs, you know. Well, we're going to take one. Hopefully, this is one of the ones that you like. This is the man who sold the world. We passed upon the stair. We spoke of was and when. Although I wasn't there He said I was his friend Which came as some surprise I spoke into his eyes I thought you died alone A long, long time ago track from the album The Man Who Sold the World I hope that would be on your list of one of the great Bowie tracks Yeah I mean there's so many I mean I mean it's incredible um, he, you know Bowie I mean I first heard Bowie when I was about 11 or 12, I'd be 11 I think and it was uh, I just went up to secondary school at King's Park and, um, and I, I went into the Maybe it was the second year, so maybe it was 73, I don't know. But I, I went into the common room and somebody uh, put on Ziggy Stardust and it was five years and it just was like, what is this? And listen to the whole first side, then we had to go to classes. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I must have listened to Ziggy Stardust in my life 2,000 times. I mean, how incredible is that? Do you know what I mean? 
Well, as it happens, as you nominated that as your favourite album, we do have five years. Five years from the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. Alan McGee, there was a documentary I saw on David Bowie earlier this year around the time of his anniversary. And the different, the progression of his career was extraordinary, wasn't it? Because he did ex- examine so many different musical styles as well over his career. Yeah, I mean, he was in, I mean, I, when I was young, but I probably got a boy. Because I was just too young. I mean, I, I, I missed Man Who Sold the World. I missed Hunky Dory. And, uh, but, you know, I, luckily I was on board for Ziggy Stardust. And then it was like uh, Aladdin Sane, Diamond Dogs, uh, Young Americans. I think that's the run of the records. I mean, it's incredible. And then you go back during that and you get Hunky Dory. You got Man Who Sold the World. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I suppose the weirdest thing about Bowie is that <clears throat> he failed so badly in the 60s, but he, he won so big in the 70s. I mean, it kind of... I mean, I personally <clears throat> quite like... I don't love it, but I quite like the Anthony Yuley phase, you know, like, you know, like Love Me Till Tuesday and The Laughing Gnome and the Gospel, <clears throat> the Gospel According to Tony Day. I like all that. But I don't, I don't love it, you know. I don't love it like the way that you love Cooks or you love Changes or you love, you love Soul Love or you love Moonage Daydream. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you don't love it like that, but it's still kind of interesting, you know. Alan McGee is with us for the Culture Club. Alan McGee, of course, who is record label owner, musician, manager, uh, indeed blogger at times as well. Uh, and of course, he was the man behind the Creation Records label with the likes of Primal Scream, Oasis, The Libertines, My Bloody Valentine and the Jesus and Mary Chain. So you've seen Alan McGee, I would guess, thousands of live performances during your life. So we're asking you to pick out one gig above all that you can remember. Well, 
I, it would have to be the clash uh, in 1978, 1977, sorry. And it was just after the first album, before the second album, complete control tour. And uh, there was never, I don't think I've ever seen anything better than that. I mean, do you know, that tour. And it was just, uh, it was, you know, I, I suppose in Glasgow especially, because Pistols never came, because, uh, you know, they were banned and all this sort of nonsense. Uh, but, I, you know, The Clash were our band, you know, and it was like, that was like a religious thing up in Glasgow, and I'm not even taking the mickey. It's like, you know, it really was like that, you know. We loved The Clash up there, you know. Why were you since the energy that they had, or what was it, or the lyrics and the anger, or what? I don't know, they just sounded great. Okay, we don't actually have The Clash from that time, but we do have from The Clash live at Shea Stadium in New York in 1982, that year's version of London Calling. Welcome to the Casbah Club. Favourite gig for Alan McGee, who's our guest on the Culture Club today. Uh, just one last musical-related thing. Or we asked for a favourite play or musical or theatre show, and we're back to Irvin Welsh, because I didn't have to admit, I didn't even realise there was a musical version of Trainspotting. Yeah, it's coming out. Maybe I shouldn't talk about that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Is this, is this an exclusive revelation? <laughs> I don't know. I've just realised maybe I shouldn't be telling you. <laughs> All right, okay, well, we look forward to that. Uh, can yeah. you nominate a favourite movie for us, please? I, I was, I was a, I managed as punk singer, Cat uh, SFX. We were watching films last night, and I said, Have you seen No by Mouth? She went, No, and it's on YouTube, and we watched it last night. So <laughs> I'm up to date on that. It's just what a movie, Gary Oldman, man, brilliant. Yeah, he wrote and directed it as Kathy Burke in it and Ray Winston. Yeah. I have to admit, I don't know it. Or if I do, oh, I've forgotten wow. it. So tell us about it. What is it? I think it just sums up London 
early 90s, working class, everybody being on drugs, just council states. That's the life we were leading before, like, before Screamadelica, really, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? You know, we were all living in places like that. And, you know, I mean, you know, and we, our friends were drug dealers and, like, people that were making men's meat by selling stuff and, and kind of petty crime. And that, that was the thing that when we were hanging, we were, as much as we were in the music business, we were in that world as well. And we knew all these people. And that, that film just sums it up, man. What a film. We have a clip from it. This is Ray Winston as Ray talking about his absent father in Nil by Moat. I've looked above his bed and there's this sign, right? Some weird writing on it, you know. I didn't read too well at the time. I said to my mum, I said, Mum, what's that say? You know, that, that sign above Daddy's head, right? She said, um, nil by mouth. Oh, fuck me, what's that, a football score, isn't it? Like one nil, <laughs> three nil, two nil, like a geezer called Court fucking nil. nil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, well, what's it mean? She said, um, means, you know, um, when I... Well, I mean, it's nothing to eat, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, nothing to eat, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, nothing to eat, doesn't it? 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 Plenty went down, not a lot come out, you know, nothing that was any fucking good. Ray Winston and Nil by Mouth. What about television, Anna McGee? Um, I see you've nominated The Monkeys as a favourite TV show from when you were growing up. I was struggling with that one, if I was being honest. It's like that question, because I don't really watch the TV. And if I'd said to Andrew Marshall, you'd have thought I was an idiot. So I never said that. Um, look, The Monkeys... They they are much maligned, to be honest. I mean, it's like that, that when you were growing up, when you were eight or nine, that was pop culture. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of the monkeys. I'm a believer. Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Not a trace. Put out in my mind. Okay, and just to finish out, Alan McGee, podcasts. Do you listen to many podcasts if you don't watch television? I do. Um, there's a few that I think are great. There's an Irish one I love called Michael Anthony Show. Uh, what one did I choose? Did I choose C86 Show? You did. What's the C86 yeah. Show? This guy uh, called David Easto, and he's done about 500 interviews, but it's not with the obvious people. He doesn't interview Sean Ryder, the rock star singer. 
He interviews the bass player, Paul Ryder, and it's all like that. And the truth is, when you're asking people, the, the bass player or the drummer, they don't really know the rules. So you ask them a question, they just answer the way they're going to answer. They answer honestly. And it's really interesting. And that, if you can find it, he's on Spotify. It shouldn't be that difficult for anyone to find it. It's incredible the archives that guy's got. I've done one, and a lot of people that I know have done one now. And I don't know how he where he takes it, but he's got like 500 interviews. A whole generation of people, like the punk generation and the, the indie generation and the Britpop generation, all these people with their own particular take on it. And it's a fascinating body of work. It's a brilliant podcast. We're going to have to leave it there. Alan McGee, it's been great having you on the programme. Thank you very much for taking the time to tell us your choices. We'll talk to you again. Thanks a lot, Alan McGee.